I want to read from Psalm 48, verse 10, if you found it on your devices or they'll put it up on the screen. According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. According to your name, so is your praise. Your right hand is full of righteousness. And I'm going to pray But before I do, I look forward at the end of the service to meeting our first-time attendees out in the lobby. And um, I want to welcome all of you that are here. I I feel a message on my heart that I think can, can make the kind of impact, if you will allow it to, that can change your life in, I believe, a single service. I think the Word of God has that capacity. The ability to transform you in one service, one encounter. And so I'm going to pray. Father, we ask that you would step in and do what only you are capable of doing. My words could never come close to achieving this. And I am the first to acknowledge that and recognize it. I ask that you would do that special something that occurs when the anointing of God is administered as the word of the Lord is delivered. It works its way into the very fabric of our being, our DNA. It transforms us in ways that are so profound we can't even articulate them all. So speak to us now and you get glory and honor as we hide behind the cross for these next few minutes in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. 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 I want to speak this morning from the subject, there is still more. There is still more. As we have been in this move of God that we have been experiencing recently, and it has been incredible. We are hearing reports of people who are being healed, multiple reports of cancers disappearing, uh, people that were terminal being healed of cancer. And even the doctors saying, we don't know where it went. We, we, we have no idea. It's just gone. And uh, glaucoma and other things, just, just too numerous to mention. I, I want to just reference those to say that I and you need to give God glory for what he's doing. Amen. Yes. God deserves our praise. Uh, People being delivered in a service from things that have oppressed them for many years. I am in awe of God at what he is doing and who he is. He is amazing beyond description. I keep saying this, though, that God's presence, which we place a priority on. We don't just come to sing three songs. And so we, we urge the prayer uh, the, the, the praise team, bring us into the presence of God. We do that because God can do more in moments than we can do through human effort in months, years, and even decades. A few moments in the presence of God are incredibly impactful. There's only so much that human effort, skill, ability, talent, and strategies, and even networking can achieve. And we want to be sure that we do all we can do as people 
that are trying to make our lives count for God in this world. And the fact that we are limited is never an excuse for a lack of excellence on our part. But rather what I'm emphasizing is the indispensability of God and what he provides that nobody else can provide. Psalms 127 in verse 1 said, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Or as the apostle Paul said, one sows, somebody else waters, but God is the one that has to give the increase. He's the one that makes that magical moment of multiplication occur. And in this season when God is moving so incredibly, I I keep reminding us of this amazing story from the book of Numbers. I, I love this in the book of Numbers. If you're from California and there are people here who lived in California, you're from California, you may know we here in Texas wouldn't because we don't see almond trees the way they grow them out there. But an almond harvest is, takes nine to ten months. It doesn't begin at the beginning of the year whenever a lot of cultivation is taking place for different kinds of products. Rather, it begins in the month of October after the last harvest has already occurred. And they begin to prepare the tree in the month of October. And then they go through all of the rest of the process, the rest of that year into the first of the year throughout the spring and the summer. And finally in August, the harvest comes around again. That's a period of nine to 10 months to produce almonds. And there was the time that Moses took Aaron's dry, dead, sweat-stained, dirty walking stick that had once been a branch on an almond tree placed it in the manifest presence of God next to the Ark of the Covenant. And overnight, in 12 hours, it grew branches, it grew buds, it grew leaves, it grew flowers, it grew full-grown almonds. In one night, 12 hours, God condensed the growth process, or to say it another way, he accelerated seasons within a condensed period of time that a full-grown harvest occurred overnight. Not to mention the miracle that the thing was dead to start with. You don't know what God might do in one service when he shows up and his presence goes to work. Amos said it like this. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. What does that mean? That means accelerated harvest. You hadn't even got the last harvest out of the field until there's already another one coming in. There's somebody in this building, that's a word for you right now. God is getting ready to accelerate the seasons of your life. And what has taken you so much hard work to get to, God's getting ready to show up and cause it to happen. Amen. Somebody give God praise. I bless your name. Paul said we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. My spin on that is what that means is that it's simply pointing out to us we don't know it all yet. We don't have it all yet. 
You can't go to the next level of glory if you're already there. So Paul said, if the Christian process is from faith to faith and glory to glory, there are yet dimensions of God we have not come to grasp as of now. He is far too great, too glorious, too wonderful for us to be able as mere untranslated mortals who are yet to be freed from the shackles and bonds of our own mortality to be able to fully wrap our minds around him. God is much too big for that. I wish I heard somebody say, amen. I can know him fully as my savior, but to know completely the wonders of who he is. Now that's a journey that I will spend the rest of my life trying to accomplish. And I will not only be able to, 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 to spend the rest of my life, but throughout eternity seeking to know him. And one of the reasons for this is because not only is God so great, but juxtaposed against his greatness is our mortality and weakness. Our, whereas he is infinite, we are finite. Whereas he is strong, we are weak. And so I want you to consider this because scientists are always looking for answers to how man got here and uh, how were we created and what was the spark that caused life to occur. I am personally convinced, and we had Dr. James Tour, one of the 50 top, top scientific minds in the world, professor at Rice University here uh, a couple of years ago, and he came and spoke on this subject. I am convinced that if you want to know how we got here, meet the creator. Amen. Because God asked Job in Job 38 and 7, where were you when the morning stars sang and the sons of God shouted for joy, referring to the dawn of creation? Or Job 38, 17, have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Job, I've seen stuff you hadn't even thought of yet. I'm the one that is behind it all. Job, do you understand what consciousness is and what it means to be a sentient being? Do you know what happens when consciousness ends in this life and it's transferred to the next dimension of existence? I do because I was here before it started. I'm here during the process and I'm already in eternity waiting for you to get here. Hallelujah. God is omniscient. He knows everything there is to know, but we are not. And so that brings us to this burning question. And that is, what does it mean to know him? To know him. What does it mean to know God? Because many people think that salvation is a destination. I got saved. Okay, got that taken care of. Let's tick that box and move on to something else now. And really, it's a journey. And to know God means that, that you've got to go beyond just the initial saving experience. You will never get more saved because his salvation is complete and total. It is the work of grace. It's not anything you're going to be able to do by yourself. But on the other hand, to know him? Oh, Paul, who had pursued God throughout his life, said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. There are different dimensions, in other words, of God.
I uh, was raised in Lake Charles, as many of you know, just across the Texas line. And South Lake Charles, Cajun-born, Cajun-bred, gumbo-fed, amen. And um, there was a death in the family, and the family called, and and they volunteered to make a hotel reservation for me so I could go to the funeral. And when I got there, they told me the only room we could find was in the Golden Nugget Casino. Now, I'm setting this up so that you, if you ever see me over there, I just want you to know it's for a funeral. Tina Turner had it right when she said she works hard for her money, so you better treat her right. He works hard for his money. I'm not giving it to a casino. Amen. And they said, every room is full, so we got you a room. Uh, Every hotel is full. We got you a room at the Golden Nugget. And I went up to my room, and I came down, and as I was walking out, I noticed this display case, and it had this large thing about that tall, and it was behind the display case. And I thought, well, it wasn't that attractive, but it was gold color. And I looked, and there was a label on it, and it said, Hand of Faith, and that really got my attention. As it turns out, it is the largest solid gold nugget ever found in the history of the world with a metal detector. It weighs 72 troy pounds and 11 troy ounces. It is worth a lot of money. Gold being, what, above $2,000 an ounce now. And the way it was found... A man in Australia had spent decades going around. He lived in a little caravan, uh, that a mobile, a motor home, uh, not motor home, a, a trailer pulled by a car, but without a motor and the, the trailer. And that was his house. And it was, it was beat down ramshackle. And he would go with his metal detector all over looking for uh, money, looking for things of value, never found much, barely eked out a living. And then uh, one day he had changed, I think it was the batteries in the metal detector at his little trailer. And he walked outside and he didn't turn the thing off. And he had to go to the backyard for something and it was in his hand. And as he was walking, Walking over the familiar ground that he had trodden many, many times before, suddenly it went off. And he thought, eh, eh, that, that's odd. Because he had never explored the place where he lived. He had been everywhere else looking for it, but never explored his own backyard. And as it turns out, he got down on his hands and knees and 12 inches beneath the surface was this nugget as though it were reaching up asking for somebody to find it. All he had to do was dig. He had walked over that area time and time again, but to find it required that he be in search mode. He had to have his radar on, if you please. Am I talking to somebody right now that when you come to the house of God, you need to have the switch turned on? You need to come hungry. You need to come searching because there's more of God that you're living all around, walking all around that you haven't and neither have I discovered just yet. Somebody say dig. Come on, look at your neighbor and say dig. Amen. Get your shovel out. You need to come to the house of God searching. 
Somehow this idea that we've got it all doesn't work real well for on, in terms of our benefit. And to prove that, we, we just glance into heaven for a moment. Because the psalmist says that as our knowledge of who God is becomes greater, so does the impact of our praise. We, we praise him according to his name. So your name is your character. Your name is your identity. What makes me one person and what makes you a different person is you have a different name than me. And I have a different name than you. There are other differences as well. They claim the average human being. No, 76 people by name, 76, that's the study. And, and that, that means that if you add up all your family and friends, you recognize 76 people on average by name because I'm a pastor. I meet a lot of people. I know thousands, literally. So if I ever forget, (laughs) just throw that out there, Uh, give me a little slack because uh, these these gray sails up here are pumped full on a level that most people are not required to to be able to remember. But that's out of three or eight rather point three billion people in the world. You and I know an average of seventy six people by name. But there's one that I want you to look at today. Because if you know him, knowing him is greater than knowing anybody else. I don't know who is on your list. It might be presidents, it might be billionaires, but if you know him, knowing him exceeds the ability or the value of knowing anyone else. We look in the book of Ezekiel and we see these amazing creatures in in Ezekiel 1. These strange beings with four faces, one on each side that that point to the four directions of the compass. and, And they carry the glory of God and they're called cherubim. And the word cherubim means the burning ones. They carry the glory of God. And being that close to the glory of God, they're consumed and they're burning. They're, they're on fire with the glory of God. And they're a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And, and so when they look this way, you see the face of a man. But then they turn this way and you the fa- see the face of an eagle. And they turn this way. As they go in this circle, you see the face of an ox. And they turn another way and you see the face of a lion. And in the book of Revelation, John the Revelator describes around the throne of God what I believe are the same four beings. Only this time they're not going around in a circle like this. They're facing one direction. And he sees the fa- the, these creatures, one with the same face of a man, another with an ox, another with an eagle, and another with a lion. That's a whole study that I could go into because each one of those represent the four gospels in the New Testament. And they They represent different things about God that I could talk to you about. John sees his vision on Patmos. Ezekiel sees his in Babylon by the river of Chibor in the the plains of Shinar. And and this is what's fascinating. Andrew preached about this. My God, he set me on fire. It was last year, I think in October, he mentioned that they're full of eyes in front 
behind all sides and then he, he he made this statement and i looked it up and it is what the scholars say when asked why they needed so many eyes the jewish rabbis say that god is so great that you cannot comprehend the fullness of his glory with just one set of eyes and their eyes are filled their being is filled with eyes and even then they can't take in all of his magnificence And so they're constantly crying, holy, say it with me, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And Jewish rabbis say that is because every time they see a new aspect of the glory of God, there's an involuntary spasm and and an ecstatic exclamation, glory. They can't help but stop, holy, holy. Holy as they see new revelations of the glory of who he is. You're not going to figure him out altogether in this life. He's too vast for that. And that is why we need to know him, be in pursuit of him. Because the Bible said that our praise is meant to be in according, in accordance with his name or according to his name. And the word according there, properly defined, simply means to be in agreement or harmony with. Your praise should be in agreement and harmony with his name. Amen. And so the praise that God deserves to be given is based upon the revelation of his person. See? Because your name identifies you. And we know that throughout the Bible... That just like we are identified by our name, God is identified by his. Here is why this matters. Our praise enthrones God. In Psalms 22, 3, you are holy, the psalmist David said, enthroned in the praises of Israel. To enthrone means to set up your seat of government. You set up your governmental control or rule or dominion and authority where there are people who are giving you praise. Amen. And according to his praise, he is enthroned, which simply means that as you probably are thinking with me, that the role of the enemy is to keep you from praising God because he doesn't want God enthroned in our society. I wish I could hear somebody say, yeah, I understand that. Okay. And so here's the thing. Since time passed, the enemy has been trying to unseat or dethrone God, elevate his throne above God's. And of course, he sinned in time, or rather out of time. He sinned in eternity. People sometimes ask, why was man forgiven? Why is Adam forgiven of his sin whenever the devil was not? It's really simple. Satan sinned in eternity. We sinned in time. That means that Satan can't be forgiven because his sin is throughout eternity. Ours was within the parenthetical insertion that is called time that is set into eternity, which means that when Jesus stepped into that same parentheses and shed his blood, it cleanses everything that exists within it. I feel like preaching for a few minutes here today. 
Amen. And so the enemy wants to unseat God. He doesn't want him to have authority in our society. He doesn't want him to rule in education or finance or your marriage. He doesn't want him to rule in your health. And if you can enthrone God, it squeezes the devil right out of the same space that God takes up residence in. Now watch it. But if Satan can keep you from praising God... It won't allow God to be enthroned. And he moves right in to the vacuum that is created when God is not enthroned. This is why God is always wanting to reveal to us more of who he is. Amen. He doesn't want you to stop just because you got saved last week. Or three months ago. Or three years. Or 33 years ago. This is the grand pursuit of a lifetime. Knowing him because every new dimension of God is going to be more transformative. And the more you bring him into your space, the more supernatural activity there is that will begin to occur. That's why some of you have been receiving miracles and others of you have been receiving deliverance. You bring him in, God takes up residence. Satan can't hang with that. We read about him in Genesis 1 as being Elohim, the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But there are many names for God. In fact, it is said that just in the Old Testament, there are 967 different names for God. In the Old Testament, from Genesis through to Malachi. And we don't see all of those in in Genesis 1. You've got to walk with God. You've got to track with God. You've got to journey with God. And from Genesis 1, we jump to other passages in the scripture. Genesis 17, he says, I'm not only Elohim, I'm El Shaddai. And then in Genesis 22, he says, and 23, we read the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. And God says, I'm not only Elohim and I'm not only El Shaddai, but I'm Jehovah Jireh. And then we jump to Exodus 3. And I'm skipping over a lot of them. And God shows up in the desert and says, Moses, you've heard about me as Elohim. And you've heard about me as El Shaddai. And you've heard about me as Jehovah Jireh. But I also Yahweh, the I am, the I am. Hallelujah. Elohim is used over 2,500 times in the Bible. On the other hand, Yahweh is found over 6,800 times. But little by little, as we walk with God, our praise becomes more impactful because we see him and come to know a different dimension of him. To the one who has been healed of cancer, you know him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals you. Am I talking to anybody that God ever healed in this house. To somebody here, hello, who has been in a bad place. You didn't know how you were going to make it. And God showed up and made a way when there wasn't any way. You have the testimony. I can praise him as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides. I know something about him that I did not know. I'm talking to somebody in this house right now. To the one who's been in a fight to survive. 
who doesn't know how it's going to turn out. And then God shows up and says, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's stand still and see the salvation of God. You know him as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord of banners or the Lord of hosts or the Lord of angel armies. I feel, forgive me. I know I feel like, I feel like one of those cherubim. I feel like I'm burning up right now. May God receive glory to the person here who's been at the end of their rope and you didn't know how you could face another day and you were wanting to end your own life. You were troubled and in despair, forgotten and overlooked. And then he came along and gave you peace that passes all understanding. You know him as Jehovah Shalom or the Lord of peace. That is to say, the more he reveals of himself to you, the greater your praise is going to be. Hallelujah. To the one struggling with an addiction and then God came and picked you up, cleaned you up, turned your life around, set you on a rock. You know him as Jehovah to skin you or the Lord our righteousness. I'm talking to somebody here. I don't know what your need is, but I know that whatever it is, he's got it. God can supply it. God can fix it. When nobody else can, God can take care of it. God is big enough that your need does not exhaust his supply. Let's take a praise break for a moment. Hallelujah. 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 There's somebody here that when you felt attacked and you didn't know who to turn to and there wasn't anyone who came to stand with you. God showed up. You know him as your strong tower, your shield, your unshakable fortress. You know that God will stay closer than a brother. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. That adds another level to your praise. But I saw something and I'm done. Will you give me just like Bishop Tudor, will you give me two minutes? Amen. Amen. I saw something in my personal devotion some months ago, and I shared it with several people, several of our staff, different ministers. It blew my mind because I've literally read the verse hundreds of times. And that is in Revelation 19 and 12. His eyes, the Bible says when Jesus comes back, riding on that great white stallion, that he's coming back, a sharp two-edged sword is going out of his mouth, which is the word of God. And so he, he's, he's, his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And I love that. I've preached from that part of it before. Because he's not coming to gain crowns, he's already got them. You see... We think we got to defeat the devil. Oh, no, honey. He was defeated 2,000 years ago on the cross. When Jesus rose from the dead, he told the devil, I got something. I've got some keys now. Amen. The key to your breakthrough is in the hands of our Lord. And it comes about as you learning 
who he is. And so on his head are many crowns. And when he comes back, he's not coming to defeat HIV. He's not coming to defeat cancer. He's not coming to defeat marital discord. He's not coming to defeat poverty. He already conquered it at the cross. When you are in Christ, you begin to experience the phenomenon that is associated with his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. And then it has this. I've never preached on this before. He had a name written that no one knew but himself. Whoa. Because his name is his character. All of those saints of God that have marched with him since the beginning of Genesis down through time. That have now been with him in eternity these many years. They hadn't figured this out about him yet. Because they haven't lived in his presence long enough to explore the full depths of his person. That blows my mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And back to those cherubim that are crying. Holy. Every time they see something new, holy. Every time they see a new aspect of the glory of God, holy. Oh my God, holy, holy. There are some angels that leave the presence of God. Gabriel left to go bring a message to to Daniel and also to Mary and throughout the word of God. Michael leaves to go fight battles on behalf of God. But guess who never leaves the side of the Lord? It's these cherubim that are constantly with him. That is to say, I would get it. If it said that he had a name written that Michael didn't know or that Gabriel didn't know, there was something about him they hadn't figured out because they're out journeying around from time to time, answering prayers and bringing needs back to God. But to say that the cherubim don't know this about him means that from eternity past all the way through the existence of parenthetical time to the moment they still have not learned the totality of who it is whose glory they represent and somebody's getting ready to have an encounter with that God today give God some praise and I'm done hallelujah no one knows because my mind is not big enough to grasp or wrap around who he is this limited shell of a body I don't have enough gray matter upstairs to be able to understand or fathom who he is, but neither do you. And there's not all that much difference that separates any of us from the most intellectually brilliant to the one who is not so much (laughs) when compared to the majesty of God, you hadn't figured out much more than I have, but I will say this in closing. I want to know you. I want to know you. Because what I have seen has taken my breath away. It has blown my mind. There's never been anybody like you, Jesus. Never will be another like you. I want you. I want more of you. And I'm so glad to know that there is more. Would you stand with me? I'm going to be out in the lobby in just a few minutes, but before 
we, we, we actually close. Don't leave just yet. Could I see the hands of those who need God? Would you raise your hands right where you are? I need God. Raise them all over the building. Hands going up. My, 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 my. So many. He is what you need. He is what you need. You don't need me. You need him. Amen. I want to pray with you. Father, I pray that as we come together with you, every one of those who raise their hands that need you, that need salvation, that you would write their name in the book of life as you did ours. I thank you for that. And let that be not the end of their journey, but rather let that be the starting place where they seek you more and more and discover more of your wondrous, glorious majesty. We receive you as our Savior. Those who are praying that prayer and praying this with them, sit on the throne of our hearts, be enthroned in our lives, be Lord from this time forward. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And we say, thank you. Let's welcome everyone that just prayed that prayer. Come on, let's have a party for a moment. Can I hear somebody shout? Angels are rejoicing. Let's let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. The prayer counselors are here. There's somebody that needs a breakthrough this morning. Would you come join me right now? Doesn't matter what it is. Healing. Finances. Marriage, peace of mind, something's been tormenting you, you need deliverance, come, 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 let's pray together. Miracles are going to happen in this service this morning. Come, let's pray. Keep coming, we'll wait. Amen. doesn't matter what the need is. You're going to discover a part of him today that you haven't known. You've heard about him, but you're going to discover a part of him you haven't seen yet. JT, we saw God do things, didn't we, in Tanzania? We saw him unstop deaf ears. We saw him fix backs that were, I don't even know what the condition was. There were people that couldn't hardly move around. People walked that could not walk. That's because he fixes what, what sometimes doctors can't fix. He can fix this. I want us to go to God right now and let us pray together. Father, I, I'm asking you, Lift your hands with me across this altar area and tell him, Lord, I'm coming to you because I need to know you more and make that the object of your pursuit. I'm not just here to get a deliverance. I'm here because I want to know you more. Because if you will show me that part of you that I haven't seen, it's going to fix what's broken inside of me. It's going to fix what's messed up. It's going to fix what's lacking. It's going to supply what I need. 
And so let's pray together, guys. Would you lift up your your voices? Let's worship the Lord together for a moment in the presence of God. I give you praise, Lord. I know that you're the mighty God. I know that you're the deliverer. Hallelujah. You can straighten out a broken man's life. You can straighten out a family that's in trouble. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.